Hello, welcome back to Tab U. My name's Katrina. I'm joined by Nick from Tab and Emma Hull from Move and Legal. Uh, if you'd like to introduce yourself, Nick, again. Sure. Nick Russell, Sales Director of Tab. Emma? Yes, I'm, I'm Emma Hall from Move and Legal and I'm their Key Relationships Director. Uh, same format as last time. It's the top five question you guys have been asking and this time it's on convincing. Uh, we'll kick things off with question <laughs> number one. <laughs> What is conveyancing? What is conveyancing? Um, Right, so basically, if you want to get the ball in bit first, it is the legal transfer of land from one owner to the other owner. Um, So that is what it is. Um, It does have bricks and mortar on it as well. One one sort of interesting thing that I think you will find about conveyancing is the land is more important than actually what is built on the land. Um, So we'll probably come into it in a little while about freehold and leasehold, but that there is a difference into how it's done. One's easier to do than the other, but it is the legal transfer of title between owners. Um, And that can be whether it's a limited company, it can be whether it's an individual, it can be an individual to a limited company, it doesn't matter who's in the transaction. Mm -hmm. It is just the transfer of the land. Um, And it can be with or without a mortgage. You don't have to have a mortgage. And I guess that happens every time a property purchase goes, like it, it has to happen then. Yes, yep. it has to happen. What happens is every property since, I believe, it's either 76 or 79, one of the years my husband was born. We were born in one and I was born in the other. <laughs> no, it's one of those years where I get confused. Um, property has to be registered at Land Registry. Um, so now what we are in, we're in 2000 and, oh, 2021. Um, most property in the UK now is registered. So basically you could actually go on and you can pay and buy office copies to a property. Mm-hmm. I've just seen a property I really like. It's derelict. It's definitely not been lived in for a while. So I have been on and bought the office copies to see who owns it and to see what's on there to see whether I can maybe it would be a good development project. <laughs> I might have to talk to you guys actually to see if you want to come in on it. Um, so yeah, that everything is registered and it will be down to who owns the property. Mm-hmm. It will be down to what mortgages you've got on the property. It can be down to restrictions. So I know I had a property in the past where the restrictions, I couldn't keep pigs and I couldn't blow up helium balloons. Well, oh, I wouldn't so, buy them. Yeah, that, that put <laughs> That's me That's off on. limits for me. Yeah, that, Forget that was it. it. Can't blow I helium mean, balloons. If you go back to very, very old property, they did have restrictions like that that are still there on the title. It's can fun. you get those yeah. restrictions removed? or? Um, yeah, you probably could. Now, then, You're not going to get them enforced now, I think if you look at the pig one, that was probably back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, <laughs> where people did put pigs in the gardens and people didn't want it. So you do see some weird and wonderful stuff. But sorry, but ultimately, mm-hmm. with land registry, yeah, you know, especially for you, you want to check for your client that the person who is selling the property to your client or vice versa yeah. is the person who's actually registered as the owner. I mean, it's the you know that is the first and foremost that there's no fraud or any yeah anything like that going it's, on. Broad is a big topic at the moment, and it's something us as a business with our brokers are going to be covering a lot more. Um, I have seen property that's been fraudulently transacted, up, transacted on. Um, as a lawyer, if you do have a suspicion that there is, you raise it to you've got what's called a culp, and they're your compliance officer. If they've then still got a suspicion, there is an outside body that you can actually report the transaction to, and they will either come back to you and say, yep, it's fine, they can come back to you and say, yes, it's fine, but you're a tiny part in a bigger picture. You could spook out in a bigger investigation we've got and you will be left 
potentially to complete it and move it through. Um, wow. So it can happen. Um, I've seen it happen on buy-to-let property where the tenant remortgaged the property from the landlord and he came back and he had an eviction notice from a different lender than he thought he had a mortgage with because it had been done so that's sort of the real importance with solicitors because what really annoys our brokers when the conveyances get involved is they've already done all the id for their fca purposes they've already done it with you so you've got it you're satisfied the solicitor comes across and they do it independent and people get very frustrated well i've already done this We, we do it for the lender so we are actually acting for the lender in that part to make sure because we don't know who's fraudulent in the chain. Might mm. not be the client. It could be somebody else within the chain. Yeah. So, and you don't, the way conveyancing is now, it's not your traditional high streets face to face. It is done remotely. Yeah. Um, also, you've got a, professional indemnity that has to be relied upon, right? So, that's a hot potato. Topic. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> really you're not going to just take someone else's um, word no. for it, they've done it, and then say, yes, I, you, know, I, you can rely on the fact that I've doubled and triple checked this for yeah. your benefit. It no. just doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. And this is what I say to people that if it was you as a lender and it's fallen at the last hurdle with another lender, would you just pick up from there and give them the money? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't. You you go back to scratch. And yes, there are some documents that can be reused and you might take a viewpoint on it, but ultimately that is your responsibility. Um, there are a lot of conveyancing firms over the years because of PI's increasing costs have left the market which is probably why it's such a busier market with the stamp duty at the moment, that there's still as much transactions going through, but there's a lot less conveyances out there actually processing it. And you've got lawyers that are great at tech and some that aren't so great, and the pandemic's highlighted that. (laughs) Question number two, what is the difference between a solicitor and conveyancer? So you can either be a fully trained solicitor or you can be a licensed conveyancer, and they're run under two separate trade bodies, in, in honesty, I don't think there's any difference in the quality of the work between either or. If anything, a conveyancer just does conveyancing all day, every day. Your solicitor might be multitasking, doing a divorce mm-hmm. and popping off to do a traffic accident and then a conveyance. So there, there can be that difference depending on the lawyer. Would a lawyer um, be more expensive? Um, just through the nature of the length of the qualifications to become a, a lawyer overall? Is it similar? No, it's similar. You'll find a lot of law firms do have licensed conveyances as well as solicitors. Oh. So it's a mix. Um, they're regulated differently. So the solicitors are regulated by the Law Society and the SRA. So the Solicitor Regulatory Authority. I have to say that really slow. <laughs> and then the Council of Licensed Conveyances do the licensed conveyances. So they are run by two separate trade bodies. They do audit different. Um, so that there will be different levels of tests, etc. They do. Licensed conveyances... Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not a trained conveyancer, but I have done conveyancing. So you will have staff that are supervised. Yep. So I ran a caseload with a supervisor that signed off all of my work, and he was a licensed conveyancer. So you will find that an awful lot more in solicitor firms now because they're cheaper, probably. <laughs> and actually, it is becoming more of a automated, trained... Bit of a sausage factory. It, it can be if it's easy transactions you're putting through. When you start to work in the specialist market you generally find the property special as well and you find problems and you find issues it tends it tends to run in that sort of train yeah i think ultimately as a as a lender that's you know we always say that is what we're asking our conveyances our lawyers to do for us is Mm. poke as many holes as you can and see where what if, if anything's if it's too much then let us know 
right? We just need to understand what are the actual risks of this pro- on this property. We're not trying to not lend. Lenders yeah. are there to lend, realistically. Well, especially, I think, in the specialist lending market, they need to get money out the door and want to get money out the door, particularly. I question the high street banks. But, <laughs> you know, but ultimately, they're there to say, look, how much risk is there and are these risks something that we can look beyond mm. and something we can mitigate with, whether it's indemnity policies or a multitude of other things that we might take a view on because we've seen these things before. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't, I, I think people misconceive sometimes and we'll maybe go on to that with brokers, misconceive actually the relationship between the lender and lawyer or conveyance yeah. and solicitor. I think ultimately, if you just do it in the most simplest terms, the lawyer's job is to make sure you as the lender have got clear marketable title should you have to go in and repossess it you need to turn that round and want to turn that round quickly to get your investment back. But it's also looking after the client to make sure when they go to sell on, they've got an easy clear marketable so it should go through. So the solicitors have the responsibility for the both. And I think that's why in the specialist market, you see more what we call set prep. So you will have your lawyer looking after you. The client will have their lawyer looking after them. And basically your lawyer marks the client lawyer mm. to make sure they've done a good enough job for you um you tend to find those cases are quite strained because you've got one lawyer telling another lawyer we don't like the work you've done and a lot of arguments will often ensue because lawyers they all have a different standard in how they work Mm. Um, and one lawyer might say well no i don't want to do that search i don't think they need it but you're saying no we want that search and then i've I've seen cases argue for two three weeks and not move over one 30 pound search and it had to be done in the end. It, it, yep. it wasn't going to budge. It couldn't be indemnified. It had to be done. But there was a three-week argument about this one £30 search. So, yeah, and I think stressful. this is a really interesting topic. And I think particularly for any brokers listening, finance brokers in particular, who I think they get infuriated at this, at this stage of the transaction mm-hmm. where you're like, why do lawyers age-old question never just pick up the phone to each other (laughs) maybe you can shed some light on that because i think that there is you know look my job as sales director is to originate our loans and hopefully work with underwriting to get deals through and sometimes i just literally i'll arrange the call or i'll get underwriting to arrange a call between both sets of lawyers and the broker because i think it can be a very frustrating moment when you've got Look, we all know that as well that lawyers aren't just working on your case they've got 10 15 20 other cases in the background that are all just as important as mm-hmm. the one that you think they should be working on for you. But ultimately, a phone call sometimes can, instead of this email jostling that yeah. seems to take so long and could speed the market up, speed deals up. And if actually you mm. brought it out across so many, you know, across the market, it could speed a lot of things up. If you'd have asked me this question pre-pandemic to now, the answer would probably be very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, the, the way we work, we encourage and we've got SLAs with our lawyers that we want our online portal that we call it updated and we encourage our brokers go and put it on there we can monitor it we see when the message has gone on we can see if the message hasn't been replied to then we get on it and we deal with it for the broker um the phone thing I I don't know I mean if you ever and I, I always encourage this with staff that I've worked with go and spend a day with one of our lawyers and I've actually done this with some of our lenders. Come and spend a day with a lawyer, I'll find you one. And 99 times out of 100, I get, wow, we didn't realise how much work they actually have to do and how much paper and is involved in mm-hmm. it. And 
that actually always makes the relationship better because there's an understanding. Um, I have noticed through, this is no criticism because everyone can't be a jack of every single trade. You specialise in what you do. But there's a real lack of understanding of the conveyancing process. From the moment you find the property you like and do your quote to the moment you get your keys, the process is quite lengthy and it can be quite tedious and certain areas will take more time. And I know we'll go into searches at some point. There's no point one of our lawyers chasing a local authority for a search when they've been told we're on 75 days at the moment. It doesn't matter how many times they ring, they are in that queue for that right. search. And should the lender want to take indemnity, okay, that would speed it up. But should maybe an automated message go out to the client say we've not forgot you, or should a proper explanation be given early on to say, right, your counsel's taken 75 days, there is nothing we can do, mm -hmm. so we're going to park it. Now, that is really frustrating. Of course. Um, but at the moment, you've got, I think it's over 400 local authorities. They don't all work on the same computer system. Yeah. So be it a lawyer, if you instructed us today, give me your money, I'll hit send, I've ordered your search. It can be done by the lawyer that quickly. Um, but then it's when you order the searches that you come into that as well. That you want the contracts, mm -hmm. because then you don't know what you're ordering because you haven't got the information from the seller to confirm this is what you're buying. Yeah. So there's there's lots of clunks. It's probably still quite an old-fashioned system. It is. And also, if you're dealing with a home purchaser, you're dealing with a lot of emotion that maybe the lawyer's not got because you're objectively looking at just a property for your client. Yeah. Whereas that person has spent how many months, years, saving, you know, building equity in their house, working really hard, finding the dream property, and it all hinges on this transaction to happen when they need it to happen. Yeah. And I suppose you're looking at, you know, as a, as a lawyer, convincing lawyer, you're, you've probably got pretty much most of the time a quite objective view. There's not really mm. much emotional attachment to any of these properties other than the fact you want to do a good, really good job for your client and make sure they get what they need. So you're probably always juggling that emotional from one side to what's actually achievable yeah. and workable on the that's, other side. That's what I spend most of my job doing. I stay quite emotive and I sit on, they all say to me, you sit on the fence. I said, well, no, I'll listen to lender, client, broker, and then figure out what the problem is and then fix it. And it is very emotive. And I think it was before Christmas, so the stamp duty holiday had started. We were all wondering, were we going to have Christmas, not have Christmas, see family, not see family, wanting to move before the Christmas deadline. Um, it was like month end every day. And you guys know what I mean by month end. And for anyone yes. watching that doesn't, it is the busiest day of your month. Um, and literally all you do on that day is completions. And you physically often cannot do someone's mortgage offer that might have just come in because you've got all these completions that have to go by three yep. o'clock. Um, so it's, it is quite a juggling and no one knew how much work this stamp duty holiday was going to bring, not going to bring. Then teams went off with COVID. Mm -hmm. Lenders went off with COVID. Lenders worked from home. Solicitors were working from home. It's all a little bit chaotic yep. and it was closed for two months. The amount months. of documents that got sent to solicitors' offices with no staff there to take those documents in. Yep, and that is part of the problem I mean, I mean wet signatures are still the majority of the market and I know back in pre this is probably before your time for you two this is going to really depress me credit crunch 2007 no. um, I was alive <laughs> you were alive great um, and I think we talked about this when we last met um, it was very much going down the route because there was lots of money in the market to go electronic 
and everyone was just going to touch the button. Yeah, done, brilliant. Now, some lenders are doing that, mm -hmm. but you're looking at your big corporate high street banks with very A-list clean clients. Yeah. And the rest of the market will come along, um, but you need land registry. You need everyone within that chain to do it with you. Mm. And to get everybody on one page, I mean, they've been trying for 20 years to have, or longer, a system where we all talk on. So client, state agent, broker, you, yep. and we all talk on this one hub. And many, many millions has been spent and it's not been cracked. That's a lot of people to... It's interesting. Or would you want it all on one database and then you get hacked? Is anyone using that sort of system? Um, there are a few out there. What's the system called? Um, interest? I'd have to find out for you. Because okay. um, it, it's one of these things that pops up on the radar, drops off, pops up, drops mm -hmm. off, and then something else happens in the property market and everyone forgets. So there are in there, so I'll get that okay. over to you. But How much does convincing cost? Well, this massively varies. Um, you can get conveyancing very, very cheap for a few hundred. You can get it very expensive. Traditionally, costs always really been based on location. So the further north you go, the cheaper it is because your office space, your staff space, your living costs are lower. Closer you get into central London, southeast, you can be seeing double the price. Um, I won't go into what our quotes are because they do change. Um, our lawyers changed it based on staffing. Um, the, the way we work is a little bit different, but our recommendation is don't just look at cost. And I think that's the biggest fail that people do. Um, they go for the cheapest one mm -hmm. every time. I always say, well, maybe look a bit more middle of the table. Um, use your broker, mm -hmm. talk to your broker, because your broker's likely to have a relationship with a conveyancer or a client that's recommended. Talk to friends, family, anyone. Actually, a recommendation will be probably better. Mm. Um, with brokers, we say, actually, it's savvy to partner up with a law firm or a panel manager, partner up with someone because you can build a relationship you know how they work. Our lawyers will talk to a client's broker. Mm -hmm. um, we've actually just had a case move over to us and the lawyer basically emailed the broker back and went, I don't have to talk to you, so I'm not going to. <laughs> that, that was pretty much the <laughs> end of end of the email. Um, and in essence, that is true. They're not acting for the broker. They don't have to talk to the agent. They don't have to talk to anyone that they're not working for. They do it as an additional, it makes their life easier. Um, our lawyers will deal with the brokers. So how does moving legal work for in kind of this scenario then? Would mm. the broker come to you guys to say, I need a lawyer for a convincing project down the line? Yep. Can you help? We have a mix. So we've got an online portal that they'll go on to and they can quote anything from a remortgage to a purchase to a bridge, commercial, anything, they'll put it in. When it comes to specialists, we do have a team of EDMs. And what we encourage, yes, you can go and get the quote off the system which unless you come to me with something really quirky, we might change, you can. However, we see the quotes have been done. We spot that they're bridges. We spot that they're commercial. We then speak to the broker because then the broker will say to us, it's got to go next week. And I look at the lawyer and go, no, they've got someone on maternity leave. That might not. <laughs> There's a presumption yeah. that once it lands on the desk, that is the only file that you've got. Right. will go within that week so we will then speak to our lawyers and say look this is a scenario can you do it and some of them will say yep yeah. some will say look really sorry next time but i'm going to let myself down let you down broke a client etc so when it comes we, we treat it different when it's your vanilla work 
and we've got sections they can tell us all the quirky stuff but when it comes to bridge commercial now we have to talk to the broker because it's never quite what's on the instruction once you start to delve into yeah it you've kind of a, a commercial with a lease a sublease a head lease the freeholder next thing you know you've got four levels of title you've got yeah different leaseholders you've got all sorts of th- i mean and then they want to so split the title yeah and that, that's an easy job. Oh, I need it? a piece of land on the side that I think I'm going to go for resi planning, and you know I need to go through that, and then it's got oh, but it's got a restriction, and then the next thing you know, there's the you know the lack of access through that part of the land, and yeah. it's not just I understand what you're saying. And with the changes in HMO properties as well, which there are more of, and what they need for regulation and planning and council, and a, a lot of people they've yeah. not done anything for a long time, they don't know that this is what they've had to do, and it varies. So for you to have a license, it varies the amount, maximum amount of units for you to then cross over to get a license to different boroughs, doesn't it? So I've you have to li- check each borough, each area. Yeah. And get... this is what the lawyers have to do manually because oh, they, they, have to, they have to go in and actually do this. And I mean, I've, I'm actually now having an email conversation with someone about this because there's a discrepancy between what the lawyer thinks and the client thinks and the broker thinks and the council. Oh, so they're all saying something Shock. a little bit. So it's a bit, <laughs> and I've just opened the email as we walked in here and I thought, that's one for later. <laughs> That's going to take me quite a while to sort of go through. But yeah, it, it doesn't, again, it's like we touched on the searches. Yeah. You could get a search in some councils in four or five days. The longest at the minute is 175. So you've got a bit of a gap Jeez. and then you get the ones in the middle. So we we, we do get to see how long searches take. Six months, um, some, some places take it. Unfortunately, that council was hacked and it was, oh, no. it was Hackney Council. So they were hacked. So a bit unfortunate with the name, name as nature, well. So, yeah. and that that's all that's always been my concern about us talking about having these centralised databases. Imagine if every local authority was centralised on one database and they were hacked. Yeah, yeah, it's a problem. That could be the whole industry waiting six months for research. Yeah, now I'm true. sure something would have to be done on mass if it was done on that scale, but that there is that concern. So touching on the searches, what are they? Where do they come in the process? Who does them? Well, yeah. councils. How much they cost? Do they vary between councils? Councils. Yeah. Is it usually the same price? People work differently, so you tend to find your sort of more high street lawyer will charge for the searches as they go along. Um, the way we work, we charge one fee, and then that is their fee for the transaction. Um, we actually have a policy that if it falls through for certain reasons, the insure- searches are insured, so we get their next searches for them without them paying yeah. again. Um, so people work differently. Um, it, t- it tends to balance out some areas. There's not much of a difference. With how they work, and this, this isn't a bit of an area for argument at the moment, particularly with how long searches are taking, traditionally, once you've instructed a lawyer, they do the compliance checks to make sure at this point that they're comfortable with you. They'll get your money on account for the searches. You then fill in your terms of business. Until that lawyer has that terms of business signed, they generally won't act because they've not been instructed. Mm-hmm. And then insurance wouldn't cover them by not signing up for the terms. At that point, they will wait for contracts. And the reason we touched on was they will send the map of the land. And that will confirm whether they do have these sneaky bits of land around the edges of it. Um, they can go on and get office copies and order it earlier. However, if they do that and the office copies are wrong that they've got from land registry and then the contract arrives, that client will have to pay more money because you'll have to redo mm-hmm. what you've done. Um, so you, you are reliant on the seller giving in the contracts um, and then the seller's solicitor is reliant on the seller giving them all the information to draw up the contracts so that can either be quick so it's really dependent on the seller how quick those searches can be done because as soon as contracts land searches are ordered that's fine okay can I just jump in on something mm-hmm. 
when you get the boundary map, how often and how do you mitigate where maybe the next door neighbour or the pre the owner, current owner, has built outside of their land? Yeah. And you know that's a risk of enforcement. They'd have to return the property back. Yeah. There's established use come into it. I mean, what? How often does that happen? And what are the mitigated? How can you mitigate right. that? If you think you found the prop right property, and all of a sudden you realise that person's built three foot over their boundary, they've, yeah. they've actually built too much. The extension is, you know, 500 square foot bigger than they were actually allowed to do on the originally yeah. original planning three years ago. Oh, I had to move a neighbour's fence somewhere I had. <laughs> and she argued with me that that was her boundary and I bought out my office copies and went, nope, I moved the fence. Because um, she was trying to take off my hand. To be fair, I had a really big front garden and she had a tiny one, so that's probably what she was trying to do. Um, you, you're covered in sort of several areas and everyone really has the responsibility for this. So one, we are relying on the valuer that's gone out and yeah. done the job because that is for them to map and do. You are relying on the seller being honest that if they they're going to know if someone's built onto the land or done something they shouldn't do. And they are asked that in what's called a TA6 form. So they are asked, do you have any problems with neighbours, disputes? Is there anything that shouldn't? So they have to do it. So if they don't, they're liable, they've lied. It's then up for our client's lawyer or the person buying for them to do their checks. So again, they're relying on the valuer to ride on the seller solicitor telling them the truth. A lot of lawyers now Google Maps. Google Maps is used a lot because they can go on and actually look at the map, look at the plan and can actually see. I have known lawyers to find problems on Google Maps and actually go back to the value and actually find that actually, yes, that shouldn't be there. So I have seen it happen. Okay. Um, how often? Not that often. No. And to be honest with you, if it came up often, it's something that as a business for us, it would land on my desk because everyone would go into panic about what <laughs> yeah. to do because um, that's going to cost more money, etc. I've had one recently where there was a dispute. Um, it did take longer. And if they're going to dispute it, yeah, it's going to add on. But it, it's a mixture of everybody. But it, I think, to be honest, it is really reliant on the seller being honest. Okay. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question number four. How long does convincing take? Okay. Obviously, we've touched on... I hate this question. <laughs> <laughs> and again... If you'd have asked me at different times, it's different answers. And we've just put together a conveyancing course for our brokers that CPD accredited them to have. And it is to explain the process and how it works and how long it takes, because that's the biggest complaint. We've got the search money. Can it not just go in like two weeks? No, not going to happen. Um, so pre-pandemic for a freehold property, you probably look about 12 weeks turnaround and that's that's not just the conveyance we're talking from the moment they're instructed for the mm -hmm. mortgage offer coming in yeah all of that 12 now at the moment you're probably looking at more like 16 to 18 weeks because you've got the increase in the local councils you've got the lenders taking longer the solicitors everybody i don't think and there are a lot of arguments on twitter on this and i try not <laughs> to get too involved there's a lot of yeah, sure. argument no i know <laughs> not argumentative at all there are a lot of arguments as to whose fault it is in the chain it's no one's fault at the moment it is actually just what it is yes it's highlighted across the chain technology could be utilized a lot better in parts of it however i still stand by in the specialist market you do need that human interaction at some point you, you can't have it as the button brush leasehold traditionally would have taken you about your 16 weeks they're probably taking over 20 and again in a leasehold you're chucking in a managing agent or a landlord 
Mm. And I'm, I know the Bocker flats we lived in, as soon as COVID was announced, our concierge, a binman that does the grounds, packed up and went home. And I was sort of like, well, what's going to happen for the next two months with the bins? They were back within 24 hours. <laughs> so they, they didn't, but they literally went. So it's, they're Out taking Twitter. longer. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't have to get involved in that, though I am now on the committee for our residence association <laughs> for the legal section. And I didn't realise I'd signed up to it till the husband threw me under the bus. And I was like, who's this woman? What, what is this I'm doing? And he goes, oh, yeah, I've signed you up for the committee. Meetings are at eight o'clock every Thursday morning. I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, Thanks. my God. I don't do it before 10 most days. This is not good. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, I think, and this is a personal opinion rather than a company opinion, I can't see us returning back to pre-pandemic consistently time scales till the beginning of quarter two next year. Um, and we all moaned about those time scales pre this. We're all going to be made up by quarter two because it's quicker. And I, the, the reason being is the second stamp duty holiday is coming up. You then have your traditional Christmas. Then everyone has that two week break. You come back, you clear up in January, and then you start to build up your pipeline yep. for Easter, mm-hmm. May bank holiday, you go. So I think it's going to take a while. As long as we don't have another lockdown or stop, um, it's going to take a little while to get back to where we all were, not just lawyers, I think mm. everyone in the chain. Is there any way to speed up that process mm. by, well, money? Yeah, I mean... By money. Is that the solution? Speed up the process? <laughs> create, the pro- um, create the platform. Right, you, you can. I'm lawyers, you can bypass waiting for the contracts for the searches if you want. The lawyer more likely have you sign a disclaimer to say, They've advised you that this might cost you more money, so you can do that. So some people will do that. Um, you really, if you've got a good broker, them actually helping the client fill in the paperwork, get the identification over to your certified, make sure the client returns it. I mean, even in lockdown, you've got a horrible habit. I do it myself. I get the post Monday through to Friday, stick it on the table, think I'll do it at the weekend. Well, there's a week gone. Mm-hmm. If I'd have just not sat down and watched. I don't know, I'm a bit obsessed with them legal their own at the moment, but if I do not <laughs> if I do use that hour to actually complete it on the Monday night and yeah. send it in. So you do you do have the habit paperwork sits there. Yeah. Um and when that paperwork's returned, everybody wanted to act on that moment. Of course. And it's all okay, they they'll still act with it in their normal time frame, but it probably could have been done quicker. So that the client's a big factor. Yeah, we get that all the time. Right. The yeah. client clients will sit, will have sent paperwork over for signing, will have sent facility letters done everything, and then a week go by, 10 days, two weeks, then we'll, then we'll get a call from the broker. They've just gone in and signed the paperwork. Can we draw down tomorrow? I'm like, sorry? I thought the deal was dead, to be honest. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's... But, you know, it... That can be holiday season as well. So we tend to find a lot of problems with the summer holidays and Christmas. Um, people do go on holiday. Mm. Um, you know... It is, it is a little bit tougher during that time because people are away. So, you know, if you're going to go on your three-week break and you know you've got the paperwork coming, maybe get an email to you, maybe, I don't know, or be happy to wait your three weeks mm. and know that you potentially have lost those three weeks. And you might you might not always lose it. Um, yeah. We allowed video calling, to be honest, um, mm. and signature over video calling as long as it was uh, confirmed and written witnessed by their own solicitor. Yeah. We've got a lot of our lawyers are doing that at the moment. Yeah. Um, what's quite interesting, when lawyers started to do this, it was very much this is a temporary measure. It's mm. temporary, it's temporary. No. Um, I think now that it, people have become more comfortable with it and now clients are saying, well, why should I come into the office? 
I could have yeah. done, I did this over the phone before. What's the difference now? Yeah. You, you do tend to find it's a little bit different though. If you do have repeat clients, buy to let landlords, etc., it does change the compliance a little bit because they've got the same solicitor, so they're still doing the same job, but they've already you've all got that relationship mm. already. Um, so, and just one thing on timescales is the one thing people do or borrowers get worried about is um, their mortgage offers expiring. I think I've just touched a nerve. You have touched a nerve. <laughs> Can you? Because most of them are three months. Mortgage offers are three um, months. Are banks pl- being a bit more sensible and extending those offers for longer? So you know. Um, I've I've noticed that one. It really is on a case by case basis. 